You doing good? Yeah? You doing all right? Yeah? You're an enthusiastic bunch this morning. Great to have you in church. I've been sick for the last three days. I know, thanks. I wasn't expecting that. It was just really just a comment to fill a little bit of time as I got myself organised. Um, uh, and so it's really nice to actually be standing and not having a headache. That's a really nice thing. Um, and so there's a lot of that going around at the moment. But I just wonder if you could turn to the person next to you, either side, front and back, just smile at them. You can tell them that they're looking gorgeous today if you like. If, you, uh, if you're romantically involved, you can give them a little cuddle and a kiss if you, you really want to, but you know, only if you know that you have permission. We're going to pray for those people around us, so let's pray for them right now. Loving God, we thank you for the people in front of us, behind us, either side, whether we know them or not. Lord, uh, you've brought them here for a reason. And so, loving God, will you speak to their hearts exactly what they need to hear this morning? Will you move in their lives? Will you, will you give them an experience of your love and your grace in their, in their lives? Lord, will you heal the hurt that is inside of them? Will you start the renewal work that you love to do in each and every one of us? Will you do that within them? Will you help them throw off the things that hinder them in their lives, the words that have been spoken or the deeds that have been done that cut to the very deep depths of our souls? Will you start that work within them, Lord, if they need it? Because, Lord, we come not just to sing songs and to hear words. We come to hear your word and what you can do inside of us and through us. So, loving God, come, we pray, in Jesus' name, and bless those around us. Amen. Well, we're in, a, uh, in the tail end, <clears throat> not like the grand final yesterday when it was over at half time, but we're at three-quarter time. Uh, we've got one more, uh, one more week left to go on this series called Countercultural. And what we're looking at is how the Christian faith actually actually says that we should live differently to what the current culture is pushing forward. We, we actually have a different view as we look at scripture about how the, um, the world looks at it. And today we're going to be looking at the topic of legacy and how as Christians we are called to live and to pass on a legacy. And I'll go into that a little bit later. When I think of legacy, the very first thing that comes to mind is when I was 15 years old, <clears throat> my mum received an inheritance. I mean, my grandma died, that was the downside to getting the inheritance, but, the, but she got an inheritance. And I, I didn't come from a particularly wealthy family. I, I came from a, a, a blue-collar uh, working environment. And, um, and so this influx of money, my mum only had one brother and, and when grandma died, um, my grandfather had died when I was seven, I hardly knew him at all, but my grandma, I used to spend a fair bit of time, she died when I was 15, but they, they split up the property between my brother and, uh, sorry, my uncle and, and my mum. 
And I could just see how much this boosted uh, the situation that my parents were in, this influx of money. They paid off their mortgage, which was really great. They had two mortgages. I think my, my parents' mortgage when they bought their house was $8,000. Wouldn't that be nice? They had to take out two loans to get $8,000, mind you. About $8,000. So they paid that off, and, and then all of a sudden, they were on a trip around the world. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, they thought that that was great. And so there was my, my mum, uh, three days after surgery for appendicitis, on a camel in Egypt, because that's what my mum's like. Now, I saw this, in, this, this influx of uh, in, inheritance that had been passed down, that... Uh, from one generation to the other and I saw the, the boost uh, that that gave to my mum and dad as they received it. And, and maybe, you know, you've been a part of a family that have, that have passed down inheritance from time to time. About 10 years ago, my mum decided that she would give away everything that she wanted to give away before she died. She's still around, but she decided that she would do that. And, and so every time we go around there, she goes, see this green plate thing that great auntie Martha had here it's yours <laughs> and, and what do you do with that do you go well uh, no it's ugly I don't, I don't actually want it I don't think my mum watches the, these so that's fine uh, but you, you can't you just got to say yeah I'm, I'm going to accept it but you accept it with some kind of reluctance there's a there's an inheritance that's passed down and, and, and that's great. But, but as we walk into this century, that, that kind of understanding of passing things down to the next generation seems to be going off the boil a little bit. Where we're starting to see now as the, the baby boomers start to get to the end of their life, we start to see, well, I'm not going to leave anything for my kids. I'm just going to spend it all. Like, like there's, there's nothing and, and so if I use every dime in the purse, I'll do it. And some even leave a little bit of debt for their children to pay off as well. It, there, there seems to be now a, a time in our culture where we're living for the now and we're living for us as individuals, more so than looking at how we can pass down an inheritance or a legacy to one another. There seems to be this thing that, that I've got what I've got and I'm going to have it and I'm going to use it and my kids or my grandkids, they're just going to have to uh, cope for themselves. And they're just going to have to make their own way because, gee, I made it on my own as well. And so we have this cultural phenomenon where we, we see that, in, that we, we, where people are more individualistic and they're more about the now than they are in the future. And the generations that are coming up now are starting to go, I'm sorry, I don't think that's right. We had that whole thing on the climate change strike. Did you hear about that? It was just a little bit in the news where a 14-year-old girl just said, the legacy that you're leaving me is worse than what you got it. 
I think she's got a right to be angry. Because we've lived now for generations where it's just been about, I'll, 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 I'll use what I use, and I'm not really thinking about what I'm going to leave for the future. I'm not really sure what kind of legacy I'm going to leave, and so, so I'm, just going to, I'm, I'm just going to expend all the natural resources of the world because I'm living for now. And I think it's quite appropriate that our young people are rising up and saying, hang on a minute, you're going to die in 50 years, but we're still going to be around and we're going to live with the mess that you, li- that you leave. And, and I think it, it starts to point to us that we've been living in this, in this, um, in this era of just thinking about us and just thinking about ourselves instead of thinking about the future and what, le- what legacy we're going to leave. And subtly, it drips into us in the church as we get affected by the culture that we're in. And we, we stop thinking about what we're going to hand on down the line with our faith and, and with our community um, and we just start thinking about what we can do right here and right now. This building was left to us as a legacy. This land was left to us as a legacy. Someone down the line, I can't remember her name, but Jeff will tell me afterwards, um, said, I'm going to leave this plot of land so a church can be built. Left a legacy. And so, uh, but we, we are in the, in the process of being subtly drawn into the culture of it all being about now and not being about what we can leave for the future generations. And we can do that not just with buildings and with finances and with land, but we can also do it with our faith. We can be so caught up in about just what we're on about that we're not actually thinking about what the generations to come will think about God and will think about about, uh, serving him and following him. And most of us have been in a situation where, where we've got family members who we would love to be in relationship with God, but our heart cries out because they're not. But... We're not really sure what to do with it because God has called us to leave a legacy of faith to the next generation. And the next generation don't know what they're going to do with it. And I think it's on us right now to be start thinking about what is the legacy of faith that we want to leave down the line. Our job uh, as Christians is to, to love God and to love others, but also to be the keeper of the story and to pass on the story of God. Now, the problem is, is that you can't make anyone believe. You can't make anyone believe in God who doesn't want to believe in God. And so you might be a parent or a grandparent and and you might be desiring for your kids to to experience the love and the grace of God and, and for some reason they are not 
gravitating to it at all. And there's always a reason why they're not. And we can feel disheartened and, uh, and, uh, and discouraged by that fact. But the, the, re- the reality is, is that our legacy is to pass it on. But there are no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. Everyone has to make a decision of faith for themselves. And so if you're a young person in this room, you cannot, you cannot go on the faith of your parents. You've got to come to a decision of what you're going to do with Jesus on your own. So we're going to read from uh, 2 Timothy uh, now. And uh, we've just been through 1 Timothy. This is a portion of 2 Timothy where Paul just starts to talk to Timothy uh, about legacy. Uh, 2 Timothy 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, 3 to 14. I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, this is Paul speaking, as night and day I constantly remember you, that's Timothy, in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. There's a longing in the heart there. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded also lives in you. Did you see that? Grandmother, mother, son. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, sorry, for the the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, or you can insert afraid, fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or for me, his prisoner, because Paul was in prison at the time. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done. You can underline that if you like. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. But it is now uh, had, sorry, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour Christ Jesus, who was destroyed, uh, sorry, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am, yet I have no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you have heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching, with faith, love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you, Guarded with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So here we see Paul writing to Timothy a message saying, I I see your faith and that your faith has come down from your grandmother 
to your mother, to you. And I'm persuaded that the faith that started up there now lives in you. There's a, there's a legacy of, that's coming down through the family line that suggests that God desires for our families to know him and love him. That God desires for our families to come to faith. And although we cannot force people to believe, and that's a great thing, and of course God has to draw people into an understanding that he loves them and is there for them, we can be about some certain things that build legacy into our family and, and, and help our family understand the love of God together. One of the things that Kelly and I have done with, with our children all the time is um, we, we made sure that we were praying with them and for them all the time. And we talked about faith with them all the time. And when my daughter was going through the teenage years of, of 11 to 16, she used to hate it. Because I used to go into her and I used to go, Honey, how are you going with God? And she goes, I'm not sure, Dad, that I believe in God. And she was just trying to reel me in. Because she was a smart little chook. And, uh, and I said, that's okay, honey. God's got you. He'll work it out. But I'm going to pray that God will help you in this area. And she would, she would arc up and she would complain, but she would get there. We would talk about God all the time. And we and would definitely talk with our children about where God was in the hard times that we found ourselves in our lives. But as I was talking to my daughter the other day, that's not the experience of every person that grow up in the faith. She was, she was having a conversation with a mum who had teenage kids in the church that she's at, and she said, I haven't seen your daughter around for a while. How's she going with God? She's my, my daughter, what can I say? And she goes, Dad, I just don't understand it. She, her reply to me is, she goes, I don't know. And she says, well, what do you mean you don't know? And she goes, well, we don't talk about God at home. She said, what? She goes, no, we, we, we don't talk about God at home. And this family had grown up and was in the, like a third generational Christian family. She says, we just don't talk about it. She goes, how does, how does that happen? She goes, well, it's just something we don't do. do. Did your dad do that to you? She goes, all the time. You never shut up about God. And then she turned to me and she said, how can you, how can you do that, Dad? How can you not know where your kids are spiritually? I said, well, it's more common than you think. But if we want to be a family that brings legacy of faith to ours and our other families, then conversations about faith have to be commonplace. I know there was an era that says that you shouldn't talk about sex, politics or religion, but that's well and truly gone. And if we're not talking about to our to our children and our grandchildren about where God is in their life, then, 
then we're starting behind the eight ball before we've even begun. So because, because you can't force someone to believe and, and if you've got a family member who's gone off track um, and, and maybe you've, you've uh, like Kelly and I, we came to faith and we're at the beginning of our family legacy and our children are the, are the second generation and our grandson is the third. Or maybe uh, you've, you are in the generational cycle where your grand, grandparents were great people of faith and your, and your parents were people who encouraged you in the faith and now here you sit. Whether you fit in any of those categories or whether you're just exploring faith, this is what I want to say. God is the one who draws people to himself. There's no, um, no clever argument that you can make to bring your loved one come to him. There is no witty meme that you can post on social media that's automatically going to change their perspective on who God is. So what can you do? Well, I think, first of all, you can work on you. So Paul says, Timothy, I want you to fan into flame the gift you have given. Let your own faith catch on fire. If you want to set up a legacy of faith within your family line, get yourself on fire. John Wesley used to say this about why so many people came to faith when he preached. He said, all I do is I set... I ask God to set me on fire and everyone comes and watches me burn. And, and if you want to set up a legacy within your family where, where generation after generation follow Jesus and love God and set up what God wants to do in your family line, then fan into flame the spirit of God inside your soul. Don't be complacent. Don't think that you can just cruise on in faith but ask God to do a deep burning work within you to say Holy Spirit change me, renew me fill me do something in my life that is so powerful that my family just just can't but take notice catch on fire how are you, man? You good? The second thing he says is don't be afraid. We, we have that, that line says, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but... And we usually use that for all kinds of fear, but what Paul is actually writing here to Timothy is don't be afraid of the power of the gospel. Don't be afraid to live out what you believe. Don't be afraid and to operate in the power that God has for you. That's what he's saying to Timothy. You've been passed on, you've been given a gift of faith through your ancestors, now pass it on and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to allow the gifts of God to well up within you. Don't be afraid to let God burn you brightly. Don't be afraid of what God wants to do in you and through you. 
And he goes on and he says, don't be ashamed of the gospel. And I could spend an hour on this, but I'll give you five minutes. We live in a time where everybody wants you to be ashamed of the gospel. As the gospel becomes more and more offensive, as what we believe and what we stand for becomes more and more against the culture, it is easy for us to change the gospel to fit in with the culture instead of allowing the gospel in us to change the culture. Don't ask me to say that again. I couldn't do it if I tried. He says, don't be ashamed of the gospel. And don't be ashamed around your family, around your kids. Don't be ashamed at your workplace. Don't be ashamed in, in your schools. Don't be ashamed wherever you are. The fact that Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus went on the cross for you so that you could have new life and new relationship with him. Don't be ashamed that you want to be a person who lives by a standard and a code because you know that's what God wants for you. This is how Paul articulates it in verse 9. He says, He saved us and called us into a holy life. Don't be ashamed when God asks you to live a holy life. When God asks you to, to deal with the sin that is in there and everybody else is doing it and you're going to step back and go, no, that's not for me anymore. Don't be ashamed of that. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. The gospel is not about what we've done, it's about what God has done for us. This grace was given to us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time, but is now revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immorality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald, apostle, a teacher. He said, that's the gospel for Paul, that Jesus died and rose again so we could be set free, so we could live a holy life in connection for God, so God's spirit could be in us and we could hear the voice of God and follow his ways. He says, don't be ashamed of that. Don't let social pressures bear on you to say that you should live anything different than that reality. And then he says this, he says, work on a pattern. And Paul says, work on the pattern that I've shown you. And if, if you want to leave a legacy of faith that goes against the culture, you want to see generation after generation of uh, your family line follow Jesus and other people and, and, or start that generational line, he said, I've given you a pattern, now live by it. And I've got to say to you, if you want to do this in your family, that you've got to establish a spiritual pattern that people can see and can model in their life. You've got to have a spiritual pattern of how you love and how you talk about faith and how you treat other people. You know what, most of the time when I talk to young people about who have drifted away from church, not in this church but in other places, 
One of the main things that they say is their words didn't meet up with their actions. And here Paul is saying, you've got to have a pattern in your life that shows people what you're doing and shows that your words and your actions meet up. And, and if you do that, if you can get that pattern going, if people can see that you're a person of faith by how you pray and how you love and how you exercise what God asks you to do, how you follow the Spirit, it becomes obvious because people are watching. So God has done a great thing in the fact that you're here. He has deposited in you faith, either for the first time or through the generations. And he's saying, what you need to do now is to use that deposit well. Jesus talks about this in the parable of the tenants. He says... When you're given something from God, then go and make it work. It's not for us to tuck it away or hide it away, but it is to live it out and use it. And Paul is saying to Timothy, guard the deposit well. So just to wrap it up, you know, Paul finishes this passage by saying, rely on the Holy Spirit. And if we think that it's all our job and that we're going to do it all in our energy, we miss the point. But what I believe that Paul is saying is that when we trust in the Holy Spirit, when we continue to pray for those people in our lives, when we continue to live a life of faith, then we'll be the people who leave a deposit or a legacy of faith for the generations to come. So I want to put to you this morning, if you've got family members who have drifted away, You've got members of your family who are yet to come to faith. Don't give up. Your job is to leave a legacy. Don't give up on them and saying that they're too far gone. Don't give up on them and say that nothing ever is going to happen with them. But deposit into them your faith, your love, your grace, your mercy in their lives. Be for them what they can't be for themselves and and deposit in them a legacy of faith. So would you stand to your feet for me, please? And just close your eyes for a moment. And you've got people in your family who have drifted or people in your, in your life that you want to see come to faith, all I want you to do is just stick your hand in the air and we want to pray a blessing over you. You have people in your life, people in your family, that you, need, you want to be an example for, that you want to see this deposit that God has put in you go into them and just stick your hands up. Let's pray for you. Holy God, see the hands. Hear the hearts cry. Come, Holy God, and move. Catch us on fire, Lord Jesus. 
burn our hearts in love for you. Help us, Lord, to pray big and bold prayers, to love deeply and to be an example of what following you means. And Lord, just remove every obstacle upon those people we're thinking of right now. Remove every obstacle from their heart and their mind and bless them with the reality of your love and your grace for them. Holy Spirit, come and and move in their hearts and their minds, we pray. So Holy God, we love you. We thank you. Move in us. Move in them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.